Hey, welcome to Not to Oscars. It's Donofrio. I just gotta say it at least once. I just love that. I, I love the ring, even though it's not the official name of the podcast. Uh, this is a podcast about criminally underrated performances in modern cinema getting the recognition they deserve. Uh, each week, one of us uh, nominates a performance for the illustrious D'Onofrio Award, an award of our own creation birthed from our mutual love for Vincent D'Onofrio's impeccable performance of Edgar the Bug in Men in Black. I'm Josh, and as always, we're joined by uh, my fellow co-hosts, Erica and Anthony. Hello. Hey, guys. Ah, what's going on? What's new? What are you eating, if you're eating anything? Uh, I'm not currently eating anything, but I did house a Trader Joe's burrito and, like, half a box of the party pack of Annie's bunnies, so I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, damn, we're really getting in a rhythm. You had didn't you have Annie's bunnies last time too? I'm never not eating Annie's products. So and I'm going for cheese again, like the same cheese I had last time. Did did you There's eat the rind about... this time? No, I'm 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 only one for three in that in that uh all right that issue, but not to say it won't happen again. I'm convinced that because Annie's is organic and it's supposed to be better for you, that it actually doesn't taste as good as it should. Like they do that on purpose. No, like they're like trying really hard to like, you know, make it an organic product that like won't kill you. But in doing that, like they don't like achieve like the flavor that they should. You know what I'm saying? I like to consider myself an Annie's aficionado since I spent so much time eating it when I was a nanny. Um, like so many bunnies and so many mac and cheese products that I, I feel like one, I know exactly how to steer you in the right direction in order to have the most optimal Annie's experience. And two, I have like the opposite feeling of you and uh, Anthony where um, I, because it's organic, I'm like, Oh no, this is healthy. I can eat more of this. And see, like, that's definitely true. Like, by, like, when something's, like, organic or, like, you know, comes from Trader Joe's, my mind's like, oh, like, this is, like, good for you. There's nothing wrong with it. It just, I feel like it just, organic means it just doesn't have, like, that taste of, like, something that just could have been a little bit better because it's not as bad for you. It's sort of like cooking food in your own house versus, like, going to go get, like, you know, mm -hmm. something from a restaurant. You got to eat, you got to eat something that was made by somebody that doesn't care about you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's well, the difference. That's why, like, if you make, like, burritos in your house, they don't taste as good as the ones you get from, like, you know, the, like, Mexican restaurant that's, like, well, on, like, the corner. First that's of all, they don't the taste like, the same. Pandemic. Like, they just don't. Mm -mm. Because, especially if you have a burrito press, there is nothing like a, a steamed tortilla. Oh, my God. Yes. Right? I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I... I I am of the mindset that the way you find a good burrito place is by how they do the tortilla, mm. like for the burrito. And the way that, at least for me, when you when it's like a good burrito and it has a good tortilla, it's when like it like almost the top layer of the tortilla kind of starts to peel off a little bit, and there's still like tortilla on. Do you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? How it's like it kind of like flakes off yeah. a little bit. That's always a really good sign. It, At least for me, that like this is a good burrito. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For our first time listeners, uh, the way this is going to work is one of us has a performance. Uh, they've chosen to nominate this week, while the other two of us 
will be scoring that argument uh, to determine if that performance does indeed receive the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. Uh, This week, Anthony's up. Uh, He was assigned a movie uh, from the year 2000. Uh, So I'm going to hand it on over to you, Anthony. Uh, What do you got? got? I decided to choose one of my favorite movies of all time, Love and Basketball. For those who have not seen it, it's a fantastic movie starring Sanai Lathan and Omar Epps as two basketball players. And it's criminally underrated, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I'm going to argue that Sanai Lathan is the recipient of this week's Vincent D'Onofrio. Cool. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we talk about um, kind of what this movie is about first? Like what what happens in it? All the the cast and crew, not the crew. Unless you really want to get into it, but what, <laughs> what are we working with here? Unless you maybe like, you want yeah, to get into it. Like, like I'm going to get like, that far. Maybe into this it. is. You know, last week I thought that a possibility was is that Erica was going to be nominating a song for the Vitsanafio Award, so I don't know. You know, I really, really should have stepped up to the plate on that one, and I won't disappoint you again, Josh. <laughs> well, the last thing I would want in this podcast is for any of us to disappoint one another, which we all will evidently, uh, inevitably do. That's fair. Uh you did it last week. You didn't know who Steve I Brown shut, was. Look, we need to leave that in the past, okay? Yeah. Like, this is going to happen to you guys. This is going to happen to the both of you. I'm going to bring something in, or Erica's going to bring something in. This is only going to happen to me, is it? isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I feel mm. like this year has dragged on for so long already that I feel like we can just kind of create new starts whenever we feel like it, because I honestly don't think we're getting to the end of 2020 <laughs> ever. This is a, I'm just going to say it. Every time we fuck up and don't know something, just say, this is a new start for me. <laughs> this is a new this start. This is a new me. Right. Okay, so I did that, I did that last week. Okay, Anthony, do you want to tell us about the movie? Yeah. So, um, movie was released in April 2000, uh, directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. I will discuss her in more detail in just a little bit. Um, but for right now, I'll just kind of like talk through the plot. Um, Like I said, stars Sinai Lathan as Monica Wright and Omar Epps as Quincy McCall. Uh, Monica moves next door to Quincy when they're both kids. Um, They both share a love for basketball. She wants to be a basketball player. He is the son of a basketball player who's in the NBA who also wants to become one as well. We fast forward like, you know, a couple of years later to when they're both in high school. And then we just kind of watch their relationship grow from them being like, you know, the the best friends that live next door to each other to them becoming uh, actually in a relationship before they go to college, dating while they're in college, breaking up. And then inevitably after like, you know, they both have their careers, things have kind of subsided, ending up in a relationship again. Um, The movie is absolutely fantastic. What did y'all think of it? Eric, I know you'd seen it before, Josh. This was your first time seeing this it. Is, this was my first time seeing it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into uh, the actual D'Onofrio Award, but stepping aside from that, like, I'm not sure if I've seen a, a sports movie before that was not just about, like, you know, I feel like I watch, like, sports movies and it's about, like, the big game at the end. Like, it's all preparation. Like, I'm thinking, like, Mighty Ducks or something. Or, or it's like, we're all getting ready for the big game at the end. But this was just a movie that was about exactly what the title is. Love and basketball. Like, you have these two very clear different things that are happening at the same time during this movie. And they're equally, like, the focus of the movie. I will argue, though, you said that this movie doesn't feel like it has the... 
like, you know, the culmination of, like, the big game, it still has a big game at the end of it. It just doesn't have an audience. Yeah. Well, that's true. Well, I, I guess that's the that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's, like, kind of the big, grandiose, like, you know, crescendo thing that you usually happen. And it's more of, like, uh, like, the movie ends with not that, but, like, more of an emotional crescendo that's, like, a very small, intimate moment. Totally. And I love that. Erica, what so- did you think? I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. I had a, I probably haven't seen this since college. Um, I really forgot that this was a feminist movie. Um, that was something that I either forgot or just didn't associate with this movie because it, it does also fall into a lot of those early 2000s tropes. Um, like mm-hmm. the script's a little slow um there's it's kind of filmed in a weird way in which like there's a lot of dead air with no music behind it um but i had i really had forgotten what a strong pov they give her in this film um not only as a you know a young woman that's falling in love and kind of dealing with all sorts of like growing pains and things but actually dealing with being a woman and uh particularly um a black woman in our society I, I kind of had not thought about this as a deep film and I was watching it today and I was like, Oh shit. All right. Totally fair. I definitely agree in that respect. And I'll get into that once like, you know, like we really start like chopping this up. But um, I think that the, the point that you made about it being like, you know, such a feminist movie is why it works so well. And it's why a lot of the things in it function the way that they do. Um, there's a lot to unpack there, but yeah, I definitely agree in that respect. Yeah. Okay. Are so we now right? we're now we're now that we're reaching uh, the point where uh, Anthony is now going to be arguing uh, the legitimacy of this movie and this performance receiving the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. Uh, so Anthony will provide an argument, and then uh, each of the grading hosts will respond to each category argument in turn and be giving it a grade from zero to ten. So go ahead, lead us through what the categories are, uh, and I will time you for a minute in each. Awesome. Um, the categories. And really quick, right before like you yeah. get started, because I do think this is very, very important in yes. terms of context. Um, and it's something that Erica brought up as well, is the writer and director of the movie, who is Gina Prince-Bythewood. Um, a little bit of context there. Prior to Love and Basketball, she was on the writing staff for the Cosby Show spinoff, A Different World, where she met her husband, Reggie Reich-Bythewood, who helped her write the script. The movie is semi-autobiographical because she played basketball when she was younger. And many of her teammates actually show up in the movie. They play some of like <laughs> the, US, the USC teammates that play alongside uh, Sanai Lathan okay. while she's like in college. I was wondering if, um, I was wondering if any Lee, of those women were actual basketball players because they're all just so tall. <laughs> At one point in the game, like it's like right, it's like one of like the pivotal games that Sonia Lathan has, where like you know she takes the charge and everything. When they're diving for the ball, that's Gina Price, Prince Bythewood, that's diving for the ball alongside. Interesting. Her. Okay. So like a bunch of people make cameos. Um, Spike Lee was the executive producer for the movie, which is how it got made in the first place, and or rather, like you know, he was like a big reason why the movie got made. But also, uh, Gina has really become like a pillar of black film. Um, and a mentor to a lot of other uh, filmmakers that have come behind her, including Lena Waithe, who was wow. her assistant for years. And I feel Damn. like you really have to mention all of those things to really add context and really add flavor to what kind of came about from this movie. Because Gina Prince-Bythewood is kind of like, you know, the, the nucleus of all of this. And it really influences everything that happens with the movie later on. So, 
there you go. That's amazing. Damn. That was a good history lesson. Thank you. That, all right. Mm-hmm. Anthony, uh, you want to lead us off with the first category and an argument? Sure thing. First category, age like fine wine. Now, this film itself is one of the greatest movies in black cinema. There's like a dozen or so that like we have, and they're all kind of like under like the, the umbrella of like indie films. But for us, they're not because it's like every black actor that came out has like gone to have like these crazy, awesome, illustrious careers. And this is one of those movies. A lot of the mo- uh, actors that are filmed in this movie, uh, like it was like one of like, their first movies that they had. So Sinai Lathan, obviously Omar Epps, he'd been in it for a little bit, but still. Um, in addition to him, Boris Kojo, this was like one of the first movies that he did, Gabrielle Union, Monica Calhoun, Regina Hall, everybody kind of like was like getting like, you know, like their foot in the door with this, but Sinai Lathan, this is only her eighth film role that she had and one of the biggest ones that she had at the time and absolutely ages like 15 seconds. She encapsulates what the, she encapsulates what the female basketball experience is. The dynamics of her relationship are absolutely spot on while also like, you know, managing the whole basketball part of it. Gina, when she created the movie, said she wanted to create the black when Harry met Sally. And I think that she totally succeeded in that. And that is time. Wow. You came in. You came in perfectly on that one. Bam. All right. Let's move on to our second point. Second point, singular sensation. Now, ironically, Sinai Lathan was not always who Gina had in mind for the role. In fact, Gabrielle Union, who plays Quincy's earlier girlfriend in the movie, auditioned for the role and did not get it. Sinai Lathan's audition tape won Gina over for the role. In fact, her audition was so good that when she got the tape, she forced her friends to watch it. That way they could see how good of an audition it was during her friend's uh, baby shower. It was that fantastic. Um, singular sensation and that nobody else could have done that. In addition to it, Sinai Lathan and Regina Hall, who plays, uh, uh, Regina Hall plays her older sister in the movie. They met while working on a film a year prior to it and have now become such close friends. Like they're like best friends. I actually read somewhere that they used to be roommates at some point, but I can't find a link or an article. 15 seconds. But regardless, because of that, the relationship's absolutely perfect. And then on top of that, Omar Epps and Sinai Lathan were dating while they made this movie and Gina Prince-Blythewood didn't know. So all of that combined means that absolutely nobody else could have played this role. <laughs> they were That's dating? That's kind of unfair. <laughs> yep. How did, that, how did that turn out? How long did they date for? Um, not too, too long. Um, he ended up getting married to uh, one of the members of the group Total. I'm not sure in what year. Um, but I think they're still friends. I think they're still cool. But yeah. So I love that Gabrielle Union was in this movie and now she's married to Dwayne Wade. Man, you know, Dwayne Wade used to have pictures of her hang up in like, like on his walls, like as a kid, not as a really? kid, but like oh. in like high school, college. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. And here's the wild thing. He was married like to somebody <laughs> else at that time. So could you imagine like y'all get divorced and it's like, really like you went and you ended up with that person, the one that like you was like idolizing up on the wall. For real? Damn. Third third point. Uh, why don't you go for it, Anthony? Third, transformation exploration. Prior to making this movie, Sanai Lathan had never played <laughs> basketball before. And Gina Prince-Bythewood had played basketball and refused, refused to show any type of leniency in how she put the movie together. So every time that you watch any of the shots in which anybody puts up a shot, that camera never cuts away to the ball going through the hoop. You had to make the shot in order to actually get the uh, shot that you wanted. She trained four months in order to get into peak physical shape. Did you see her six pack in the movie? Because she shows it off multiple times. 
which I think like is absolutely fine. But in addition to that, and having like the body that she has, she figures out the swagger and the demeanor of being a basketball player down to a T while simultaneously trying to navigate this whole like, you know, issue of like, you know, this relationship that she has going on, everything. The transformation is perfect. And I think that one of the ways that also really punctuates it well is near the end of the movie when she has the job, her new job, where she's working at the bank and she can't really walk in the high heels. Just chef's kiss awesome freaking moment she really nails down like what it means to be a basketball player down to a t i wondered that i i did i wanted to be surprised by it because uh i didn't actually look that part up because i knew we were probably going to talk about it and i'm i'm not really surprised she'd never played ball before this she trained her ass off but I think that, like, it's 100% believable. By the end of it, like, there's not one moment that I'm thinking, like, oh, like, she doesn't quite know what she's doing. Like, yeah, it still feels like a movie, but, like, she gets it. Wow. All right. Chicken salad out of chicken shit. Now, I would argue that this script isn't that bad. In fact, I would actually say it's pretty good. For this to be the first script that Gina Prince-Bythewood wrote and also directed pretty damn strong thing going on here and i think that's something that we could figure out later on like how like you know we can kind of mold this when the script isn't bad but regardless the fact that she turns in this performance from the script is nothing short of exceptional there's no point in the movie where you don't believe that she's not a basketball player where you don't feel like she doesn't have the emotional ties to her family to her friends and to omar epps's character quincy everything about it stands out and actually everything about her performance enhances the movie every moment that you see between her and Quincy feels realistic. The moment between her and her sister feel like the relationship that you see between two black sisters, between between a mom and her daughter. Everything about it feels spot on. And the fact that this was not uh, her first option uh, in terms of like you know who you're going to cast for it also leads into that. She really like brought something out of this role and out of the script that I don't even think Gina Prince Price was was expecting. So now we're ready for the last category. Yeah, yeah, it's all you. Last category, body of proof. As far as Sanai's entire career has gone, this has easily been one of the most standout, if not the most standout uh, roles of her entire career. And that's very difficult for me to say because one of my all-time favorite movies, probably my all-time favorite movie is Brown Sugar, which he released two years later. And we can save that for a different podcast entirely. But still, easily the number one role that she's ever had. It's unlike anything that she's ever had to play before in terms of the commitment that she had to put on her body in order to actually transform into the character. Um, it's one of the fun times that you've ever seen her really like, you know, play full tomboy. Uh, Sanai Lathan's absolutely gorgeous and it's still gorgeous in this movie as well as a basketball player. But, you know, she shows the rough edges that you don't get to see in any of the characters that she's ever played before. It really shows like, you know, the depths that she's willing to go to in terms of like, you know, her preparation for, the, for a role. And there's just a different level of commitment that I hadn't seen from anything else in her career. And that goes for Brown Sugar. That goes for Life. 15 that goes seconds. for The Best Man. That goes for The Wood. That goes for Alien versus Predator. Now You See Me Now too. Literally everything else that she's ever done, nothing compares to this. This, I would say, not only is like, you know, an ex- unexpected addendum to her career, but it actually is a pivotal moment of it as well. Okay. So uh, I guess it's now it's our turn to determine whether or not... Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio will grace his presence metaphorically <laughs> on t- <laughs> I'm imagining him with like little fairy wings visiting uh Yeah, and just like he just like does a wink with like a little tiny sound effect. 
It's like, like <laughs> but he's going. His, his wink is like him going like. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's got to be a grunt. It's got to be something to say. <laughs> oh, I got some Swirl. for ya. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that was gross okay uh scores uh back through the five categories um erica you want to lead us off with uh first category how what are your thoughts yes okay age like a fine wine um so this movie um i had seen a lot i will be totally honest the thing that stuck with me the most um before watching it today was those sex scenes um were really the things that were emblazoned in my brain but also probably because i watched this as a teen for the first time and like come on but i do think her performance in this is really interesting especially because this is something that we're still talking about and still creating a vocabulary about um this idea of the emotional labor that women do um in just clawing themselves up um, in ways that are more presented to men or presented to people um, who are um, not people of color. Um, so in terms of age like a fine wine, this did this is this really performance does hold up over time. Um, and I am really excited I watched this today. Again, first time seeing it and first time seeing, uh, I can't really think of any other mo- any other movies, like I said before, that kind of uh, tackle this type of material in this type of setting. Uh, and I thought it it really it really holds up, but also stays very true to being kind of a period piece for like the late 90s and 2000s. Uh, just because the script is like it does have like a lot of cliches in it and some of the some of the relationships in it just like feel like eh, you can kind of get these in in a lot of other pieces or TV shows. Uh, but particularly her performance and what it kind of means to the viewer and how you kind of emotionally respond to it really fucking holds up. And there wasn't really any dialogue in there that I felt like at least on her part, uh, yeah, that like, I was like, Oh, I don't really, I don't really buy into this or I don't, it just, it kind of ruins it for me. So I think this really has, uh, aged well, and it really does kind of highlight what at least I can see just from doing a minimal amount of research as like a real like flashpoint for her career to like jump in other things. Um, okay. So if we are giving out scores, um, I'm going to give this an eight in terms of, uh, holding up over time. I think it's, uh, to Josh's point, like some of it is a product of its time, but for the most part, this is, this is still a super relevant conversation. And I think she does a really nice job of navigating, um, the you know the ebbs and flows of of also aging on screen yeah i also give it an eight it it really holds up uh despite like kind of it's uh some of it feeling a little bit uh a little bit dated and piggybacking something erica said earlier too and it kind of ties into what you just said josh the sex scene in addition to also just being like so well shot i love that omar Epps pulls out a condom yeah that's right i forgot about that yeah I feel like that. Here's a here's. A, kids need to know that is a, that is a thing that I feel like these teenage movies really do skip over. 
um they really do mm-hmm. i hadn't even really thought mm-hmm. about that um i think i thought I that know. that scene for me the the after the dance scene was i just remember that was like seminal moment for me being like oh cool we watch movies with sex scenes in them now but looking back on it too like uh that losing the virginity scene is so precious and so and it's so really well real. done yeah all right let's talk about the singular sensation yeah, Anthony, I totally agree with you on this. I, I feel like she is the right person for this part. Um, I, I, I am kind of curious to see what Gabrielle's take on this would have been because it would have been a totally different um, Monica with Gabrielle Union in this part. But uh, this is this is a really lovely performance, and I'm glad it was um, was her. Yeah, I'll also say that I was... I, I mean, I. it's funny that th- I think this is the first time that we've recorded this knowing who the person is mm-hmm. that you were going to be looking at. But as soon as she showed up on screen and really just in the first few scenes, I was like, oh, absolutely. Uh, something that I really like loved about this role and why I think she nailed it is I feel like this is a role that you could really easily take in like a more kind of aggressive approach because there's this i don't know there's this really fine line that i could imagine between like trying to access a more like you know feminine side and trying to like coming of age story and finding love and being kind of like a tomboy like hardened basketball player that isn't going to take any shit from everybody that she really finds the middle ground for that so well in just stillness and like doing as little as possible and i I don't know anybody that could do this particular role in that and have the physical prowess to do it and all those things and turn in just a very simple, not not overdone, not too complicated performance. It was beautiful. Um, yeah. So I, Josh, I totally agree. Um, and uh, I, I'm like nervous to say this because I don't want Anthony to, you know, Plants sow in your seeds before your eggs hatch, but um, I, I gave this a nine. Uh, yeah, I uh, I actually gave it a ten. <laughs> I didn't see any reason to to not. I thought it was uh, I thought it was solid, and uh, I really don't know who else it could be. And it's like I was thinking about giving it a nine, but it's like, well, what could it have done better? So I'm just gonna give it a ten. Amazing. All right. Uh, so the next category is transformation exploration. Um, I I actually was just reading an interview today with the cast of Center Stage because that movie just turned twenty, and uh, they were talking about how they were m- about half and half dancers versus actors, and they they were talking about uh, just what it took to to film a dance movie, um, and I was really thinking about that while watching this movie, filming a basketball movie. Um, because Josh, like, as you mentioned in the beginning, there are so many sports movies out there. Um, and it's really hard to pull off without a lot of fake shots and, and making it feel like, you know, you're watching this, this heightened performance, this heightened game. Um, and I just thought it's, it's incredible watching her on the court. I, she looks like an athlete. And she looks like a, a D1 athlete. Yeah, I'll agree. Uh, I mean, it, it's as far as the transformative, you know, approaches to because that's what I'm really seeing here is 
you know, can you maintain the vul- vulnerability of being, you know, experiences this whole coming of life thing with another person and still feel like a basketball player? She absolutely nailed it. Um, you know, when I think about this kind of in comparison to who we're talking about, like Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black, you know, I think about this in terms of transformation and something that uh, I get a little like, that like me that doesn't make it totally perfect for me is that I don't see like I see what he's doing as like taking every follicle of like his voice and his dialogue and his body and all those things and making something kind of inhuman and unexpected that it it makes it that complete transformation and with this like even though it was like a complete physical you know and physical transformation in that uh, she was making all of those shots, which she still did like to the T. It just didn't hit quite the same thing for me uh, in terms of like, is it like the most, you know, boundless transformation uh, in for a role? All right. Um, I gave this uh, an eight as well. I also gave it an eight as well. <laughs> Gorgeous. Okay. Um, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Our craziest category. Um, you you still you still over there, Anthony? I haven't heard a peep from you in a minute. He's nervous. Oh, okay. He's so nervous. Okay, checking it all in. Um, okay. I uh, you know, I actually like I you you said it already in uh in in your presentation. This isn't a bad script. This is I kind of struggled with this one a little bit because it isn't a bad script and it's just a little dated, but uh, I don't know. Uh, you you help fill in some thoughts, Erica. I'm struggling. Okay. Um, so I agree it's not necessarily a bad script. Um, my only qualm with the dialogue itself is that um, there are some um, tell-don't-show scenes in this movie where they really like explicitly kind of like walk you through what's happening or you know whatever as opposed to letting it be the subtext um i do think that's a product of its time um right so especially because anthony and you you brought this up at the beginning like this movie is kind of billed as a as a rom-com and like a teen rom-com but you're really putting it in a capsule for black cinema of the time and i agree with you it it belongs in there it's a I, I think it's also just a uniquely a unique love story in a lot of ways too. Uh, I, I gave this I gave this an eight because again I didn't think it was necessarily um, the worst script, but I do think that there are some moments where she really chose to um, just she chose to find find the beats and and the the down moments, um, which it really I think really could have easily gone out of control in terms of just. Uh, sh- show show playing or show showcasing emotions as opposed to just letting us see them. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for giving me the words that I was not able to find, Erica. I actually gave this one uh, seven. Uh, you know, I I think for being the time period that it came out, I couldn't imagine what it would be able to really do better, you know, given given the players, given the writers, all those things. So, yeah, I give it, I give it a seven. I thought it was... You know, aside from the, some aged dialogue, a fairly solid script. All right. And that... Last one. Yeah. You want to you do it, Josh? 
Body of proof. Um, you're, I, I agree with you, Anthony. Um, you know, I looked at, I, you know, I looked at her, you know, I was obviously taken by her performance and it just from my own research, you know, it, it looks like when well, she started on like Moesha and she did, uh, what was it? Blade. She played a vampire in that. And, uh, um, like, I just, it didn't really seem like she had tackled any role that was really that tomboy balance uh, with, like, a love story in really a leading role that was a major motion picture. Um, and, I mean, obviously this, you know, because she was opposite Tay Diggs after this, that it really launched her as being, you know, having the chops to really take, you know, take force in uh, in being a leading character. Um, so I, I love her as an actress, um, I think. Um, I also saw her in 2004 on Broadway in Raisin in the Sun alongside P. Diddy and Felicia Rashad. Yeah, that's right. Jealous. I wish I got, I got to see the one that Kenny Leon did years later with Didn't they, wasn't there also a video like version of that too? Yeah, they uh, made it. Yeah. Like a year later. It was just a couple years after this movie came out. I mean, this is actually a better representation of than what we talked about last week with Steve Zahn, but similar in that this is a really early front runner for, I think, leading up to some of these more adult, mature performances later on in her career. Um, there is this Netflix movie. I don't know if it was made for Netflix or what. It's called Napoli Ever After, and it's actually a really beautiful performance that's uh, almost like runs like parallel to this in terms of like a movie being about what it means to be a woman. Um, so highly recommend that. Um, so yeah, I, I think you probably know where I'm headed with this. Is it my turn to give a score? I've been talking for so long now. Sure. Let it, you just give it a score. <laughs> uh, I give this a 10. I think this is like a, a really incredible cornerstone piece uh, to a great career. I give it a nine, maybe because I didn't have, uh, you know, have the same, uh, same experience, um, you know, having that, uh, you know, that whole story behind it, but, uh, absolutely solid. All right. It's, it's time uh, to do the math. Time to do the math. Uh, Anthony, do you, do you got a calculator on you? Do you get, you got these tallied up? Uh, I didn't, I didn't tally up anything. I was just listening to how y'all was like hyping up this movie. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. It was a visceral reaction. I'm being I got you both. honest. All right, here we go. All right. So uh, my total score is a 43. Josh's is a 42, making the total for this performance in D'Onofrio points 85. Um, So I believe, Anthony, that does put you in our lead. Here's the award, Anthony. Thanks, Josh. Uh, Yeah, you know, really want to dedicate this one to Sanaya and one of my favorite actors of all time. But really, like, you know, the big shout out has to go to Chena Prince-Bythewood, who wrote the role, who directed the hell out of this movie. And uh, to me, has just really been like, you know, uh, an incredible pillar and staple in black cinema, but also for black artists. And I love that this was the first thing that she ever created and that she continues to utilize her platform for good for black women especially and to make sure that the culture is preserved and that art is uh you know continuing to be created i think she's dope as hell and i thank her for this movie amazing this is anthony's first win on uh not the oscars uh and uh, uh he currently has the highest score uh 
Well done. So uh, let's see. Current standings right now then uh, is, uh, let's see, uh, I am currently standing at a 76. Uh, Erica, you are currently standing with a 71. And Anthony is currently standing with an 85. So to stay in line with the award that we designed in our first episode, I believe Anthony is the recipient of the... Orion's Belt Award right now, which is an award meaning that you currently have the highest total. So metaphorically handing you a little uh, cat collar to put around your neck uh, until you know you are usurped from your position. I think I'm going to hold this for a while. I'm just saying. I'm just putting it out there. This is just the okay. beginning, y'all. Like, I'm trying to I'm trying to pull a Michael Jordan 3P. Like, I just want to I just want to run with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm feeling real good. I'm feeling real. Po- I feel like you ever seen the Mike Tyson interview where he talks about like Lennox Lewis and he's like, I'm impregnable. And yeah, he wants to eat his children. That's how I feel right now. Like, okay. I just feel great. Y'all like. All right. Well, I guess the pressure's on for next week. Um, So Josh is going to be going. Anthony, do you have your oh, that's right. uh, Fuck. your D&D die ready? I do have Fuck, my die ready. Follow that up. All right. Let's roll this thing. 1999. Okay, I'll take it. Okay. What came like out in 1999? Is that when the Godzilla movie came out? Because No, it didn't. Damn it. Let's see. Uh, you got The Matrix. You got Fight Club. You got The Green Mile. Phantom Menace. Ten Things I Hate About You. Magnolia. Oh, this is a ripe one. I'm going to have to think about this. Okay. Well, Josh, thanks about that. That's our episode for the week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please follow us and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Um, and also give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at, at notdaoscars. You can also email us if you have a suggestion for a future episode at getmesugarwater at gmail.com. And we can't wait to see you next week. Bye.